Okay, good. Turn to the person next to you and say, welcome, glad you're here this morning. Okay, then ask them what they're doing for lunch and tell them you'll pay. Got a little quiet there at the back end, didn't it? (laughs) You know, in preparation for the message this morning, I was reading up a little bit about the Roman Empire. And uh, as you know, the Sermon on the Mount was preached during the time of the great Roman Empire. And so the culture of the Romans prevailed. And it set the tone for all the values and all of the practices of the people. And the Romans were people that were, uh, they exalted and glorified courage. They exalted and glorified justice. They exalted and glorified discipline. And of course, they glorified and exalted um, power. That was the main crux of the Roman Empire. And so... um, When it comes to the topic of mercy, though, that's a different story. The Romans actually looked down on mercy. Uh, Mercy was seen as a weakness. It was seen as a defect. It was a major character flaw. In the whole Roman Empire scheme of things, if you or I were a merciful person, there wasn't a place for us. There was not a place for us. Let me give you some ideas of how this mentality kind of showed itself in the culture of the Romans. For example, a father could keep or dispose of his newborn child at will. So when the baby was brought to the father, if the father was not pleased in any particular way, he could have it removed and disposed of. A slave owner could dispose of a slave at will. Imagine what that would be like if you went to work tomorrow and you somehow looked at your boss in kind of a funny way and he didn't like it. And he said, you're out of here. You're gone. You're finished. The story's over. That would be horrible, wouldn't it? But that was the kind of society that they lived in. A husband could dispose of their, dismiss their wife for the slightest reason. Now imagine that. Suppose the wife had a bad day in the kitchen. Okay, and suppose that she didn't she went to the grocery store and she didn't buy the right kind of potato chips or she didn't buy the right kind of snack or goodies that you wanted. If you weren't pleased, you could dismiss her. You could divorce her. You could dismiss her from your home. This isn't a very merciful society. Not extending mercy was a common and acceptable form of behavior in the Roman Empire. Now, let's bring it closer to home. In our increasingly self-centered, self-satisfying society, we're coming closer and closer to being less of a merciful society. In fact, if you are in the United States, or maybe if you can see what's happening in Singapore a little bit and you analyzed it, you might say we're growing into the growling, scowling, gangsta society. You see? Because it becomes that way. God's people must guard their hearts against this kind of tendency to be merciless instead of merciful. But the strange thing about this is that while our enthusiasm to exercise mercy decreases, our need for mercy continues to increase. Let me, let me give you an example. Now, all of us at one time or another have experienced the need for mercy, right? For example... When we made poor choices, we make poor choices. So we park in the wrong place. 
And the LTA warden comes driving by and he's sitting there and he says, oh, based on the color of the curb, I got a big one here. This is really going to be a big fine. And so what happens? He's writing out that ticket with great enthusiasm, okay? And so what happens? You come running up there and you said, oh, please, please, please. I, I was just there for a minute. I had to drop something off. I had this, I have that. You're seeking mercy. You're seeking mercy. Suppose, for example, you were late in meeting a responsibility from someone, okay? You promised somebody you were going to do something. And somehow you got caught in traffic. Somehow you were, your car broke down. Somehow, some way, it didn't work out. And so you go to that person, and that person's just scowling and looking down on you. And they're about ready to, to take a pound of flesh out of you. You need mercy, you see? When we, and so these are just some examples. So while our, uh, our, our, our enthusiasm to give mercy, our need for mercy continues to increase. So what are we going to do in this quandary? Jesus Christ comes in and he says to his disciples that we are to live lives and that are merciful in dealing with other people. Where did he get this from? It's all part of the Sermon on the Mount. A Sermon on the Mount is probably one of the most famous sermons that Jesus ever gave. Because it was a concentrated time of teaching from the Lord. And the Lord was not holding anything back. He wasn't trying to sugarcoat everything. He wasn't trying to convince people to follow him. In fact, if anything, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, he discouraged people from following him. But he told it like it was. He told it, told it, he, he, he told us just like it's supposed to be. And so he didn't hold back. And so on the Sermon on the Mount, he started telling people about the character that he expected of his disciples. You see, we make a big deal about here at GBC. And, and we've emphasized to you, I don't know how many times, that we're here about making disciples. And making disciples is not easy because we're trying very hard to stay with the standard that God has given. And it starts with character. And so he starts this uh, sermon with blessed. He uses the word blessed. One is, this means happy. It means contented in every circumstance. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And so you might say to yourself, well, it's happy. It, I'm, it's easy to be happy if my boss gives me a pay raise. So many of you are going to go in the office tomorrow thinking, Pastor said we're going to get a pay raise, so give me a pay raise, okay? And so maybe your boss will give you a pay raise. And so, you know, you're happy. You're, you're fine. Everything's, you know, good. But suppose it goes down the other way and the boss says to you, we decided we have to downsize. And the emphasis is on down. That's the part you're in, you see? And suddenly everything falls apart, you see? But what Jesus was saying is happy or blessed are those, no matter what circumstances you may find yourself in. And he says, who are these people? Happy are those or blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Those who have set aside their self-dependence and pride. It's like the person who says to God and he says, God, thank you for all the wonderful abilities and gifts and opportunities you've given to me. But I know that I'm still dependent upon you. And so I call out to you to be the Lord of my life, who are poor in spirit. He says, blessed are those who mourn. They sorrow over their sin. You know, many people today, we don't sorrow over our sin. 
We just quickly get through our sin and we move on to the next stage. You know, the word is moving on, moving on. I'm moving past this. And we don't really uh, uh, grieve over our sin. But he says those who are blessed are those who sorrow over their personal sin. And he said, blessed are those who are gentle and they exercise courage and conviction and confidence. Always under control. They don't lose their cool. These are the ones who are firmly entrenched in what they know that is right. But they are not belligerent. They are not, they're not, they're not, they don't strike out at people. They're just under control. And then last week we talked about hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is a passionate pursuit of that which is just, good, and right before God. You see, why is that so important? Because there are so many voices today that are calling out to us and saying, I know what is truth. I know what is right. Follow me. Follow me. How are you going to know who to follow? You see, the disciple of Christ consciously uh, follows the Lord, the voice of the Lord. Okay, the Lord becomes the final authority. And so this is all presented to us in the Sermon on the Mountain. So now we come to this fifth one. And this fifth one in verse 7, it reads that it, it reads to us. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is the, this is the fifth one. But this begs a lot of questions. You know, you first you read this and you say, you say oh, I got it. I got it. Yeah, okay. I'm supposed to read this, that. But do you really? What does it really mean? That blessed are those who are merciful. What is biblical mercy? What is biblical mercy? What is its meaning? Well, first of all, when you look at how mercy is used, and you know this context where it's taught in Scripture, first of all, it's an internal attitude towards people. It's an internal attitude towards people. It's a character virtue. Biblical mercy is responding to people who are suffering and need with pity and compassion. You see, that doesn't come for some people comes very easy for others of us. We really, 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 really struggle because we have a lot of different things standing in the way. Biblical mercy is responding to people who sometimes are guilty of an offense, who are unworthy of forgiveness or leniency. That makes it even worse when the person that you see who is in this pitiful situation Maybe they don't deserve your attention. They don't deserve an ounce of pity from you. That makes it worse. But the Bible says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who have this compassion for people. But when you see the word mercy, you also find in the Bible that it is accompanied with an external act to meet the needs of people. Okay? Just having the heart attitude is not enough. You have to. To have an action that accompanies. It is an action to meet the need of a person to remove or lessen their physical or material suffering. It is taking action to meet the need of people who have sinned or are guilty of some trespass by extending forgiveness. Showing leniency in terms of their punishment. If I had to summarize it, one way to summarize it is that biblical mercy is a matter of both the hands and the heart. Both the hands and the heart. Uh, let, let me give you an example. Uh, back in Texas, I was privileged to, to preach to an Indonesian church. And they come from a very violent area in Indonesia. 
And it was hit by the tsunami. It was devastated by the tsunami. And so tsunamis do not discriminate between people. <laughs> it just... It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. It just... And it went in there and it reaped horrible destruction, horrible death. This little church of 100 people, Christians, they gathered together and they took a special collection for the people in that area. And they sent it back to the churches there and they said, please, use this to help everybody. Help everybody. They had pity. They had compassion on people in need. Didn't matter who they were. Didn't matter if they qualified. They were people and they needed to be helped. It was a matter of, it can be a matter of the heart also. For those who say they have little or no resources to help people materially or physically, perhaps the need of the hour is forgiveness, is forgiveness. Such as Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Sometimes the need of people is not just the material. It's not just food or water, but it is something more. It's that peace of mind. It's that assurity that they have been forgiven, you see. And so mercy then has the, biblical mercy has the idea of not only a compassionate feeling, but also a compassionate act, okay? They go hand in hand. Well, this raises other questions, especially for believers, because sometimes we get confused. How does mercy differ from grace? Does mercy differ from grace? Well, let me share it with you this way. Grace and mercy are different sides of the same coin. Grace and mercy are different sides of the same coin, okay? Now, listen very carefully. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. For example, and you can tell my wife when she comes back. I do not deserve the great wife that I have. There's no way. I do not deserve her. She is just, well, you get the point. I do not deserve her. That is grace from God. Okay? Now, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mercy is is not getting what you do deserve. My poor wife, she has had to sit through every sermon that I've ever given, okay? And I I don't wish that on anybody, all right? But she's such a precious soul, she does it anyway, okay? After the sermon, I'll go to her and say, well, how, how did it go, you know? And there's a lot of things she could say, a lot of things. And she sits there and she says, well, you'd be a little stronger in this. You could have said it this way or that way. You know, she's being merciful. She's being merciful. You see, she is not giving me what I do deserve. Okay. So grace and mercy are different sides of the same coin. Okay. They're different sides of the same coin. Now, another question that comes up, not only the difference between grace and mercy, but this other question. Does this mean we let everyone get away with everything? Okay? In other words, when something happens, do we just (laughs) bury our heads? We look the other way. We act like we didn't hear it. You know, this kind of stuff. No, of course not. If it is a sin, 
Remember, God will deal with with every sin. Romans chapter 14, verse 12. So then, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Okay? God's not going to give anybody a free pass. God's not going to just say, oh, in the whole scheme of things, that's a really small deal. You know, he's not going to do it. There's going to become a day of accountability. God will deal with sins, and we ought to also. So to be like God, to be just like our Lord, uh, offenses must be noted and atoned for. But like our Heavenly Father, we can be gracious and merciful as we deal with people. For example, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. You know, God in his mercy, he didn't look at our sin. He didn't scrape them under the, under the rug. He didn't go bury them somewhere and forget about it. He dealt with it by putting the punishment for our sins upon his son. He was merciful in the way he handled our sins. Uh, let me give you a, an example that's a little bit closer. Uh, I read the straight times, just like many of you, and I get to the page where they talk about crimes and offenses and things like that, right? And so it's usually <laughs> several pages. <laughs> and so what they have is they have articles about people who've committed offenses, right, who've broken the law. And they, they start out by giving the details and they, they give all the gory things. And then, and then they, they go to the, the sentencing and they say, the, the judge gave him this, you know, so many years in, in jail, a fine or something like that, or so many lashes with the cane, right? That's, that's in there. That's in the article, right? But right at the tail end of every article, without, without missing a beat, right at the very end, it says, but he could have got, he could have got so much of a fine, so many years, so many lashes. Now, call it what you will, but to me, that shows mercy on the part of the judge. Because the judge heard all of the various circumstances and all of the conditions on there. And man, he could have thrown the book at this guy. But he exercised some restraint and some mercy. You see? And so when we think of this, does it mean letting everyone get away with everything? No way. No way. No way. We must call attention to it. But we can be gracious and merciful in how we respond to these people. Christ consistently relieved suffering and met the needs of people. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He forgave the sinful like the prostitutes, tax collectors, and drunkards. We ought to be the same. We need to be like our heavenly Father is and does. So please remember that. That's biblical mercy. But there's another question that comes right behind this. Is why should we be merciful? What is our motivation? What's in it for me, <laughs> so to speak? You know, we're all interested in that, right? Well, let's go back to that verse. It says in verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. They shall receive mercy. Now, this can be taken a lot of different ways, but let me share with you this one particular one. And that is, they shall receive mercy from God. They shall re receive mercy from God. Why? You know, what, 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 you know, why should we receive mercy from God? It's, you know, what is there to commend us to God? Okay? 
Because God, by nature, is merciful. If you look at Luke chapter 6, verse 32, I mean verse 36, Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Okay, there's no doubt about God's character or nature. He is merciful. But we shall receive mercy from God because God has dealt mercifully with us. We see this in the plan of salvation, Titus chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. Listen very carefully as this maps this out for us. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see... God has dealt mercifully with us. This is another reason. He is merciful and he's dealt mercifully with us. There's a third reason. Because God will be merciful to us as we have been to others. If you look at Matthew chapter 7 verse 2. Matthew chapter 7 verse 2. It says this. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. James chapter 2, verse 13. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. I wonder if this message would have a greater impact. If God were to appear to you after you leave this service, and he catches you in the parking lot, or he catches you at the Hawker Center, or he catches you in front of the TV, and all of a sudden God talks to you, and he says, I'm going to start treating you as you treat other people. Now, how many, to how many of us, don't raise your hand, but how, to how many of us would suddenly the blood would drain from our face? Well, how many of us suddenly our heart would start going a thousand miles an hour? How many of us would be struck with fear? Because God said, I am going to start treating you like you treat other people. I'm going to start showing mercy to you according to the same level that you show mercy to other people. Oh, my. Oh, my. God, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. God, don't do that. You see, but that's exactly why we shall receive mercy from the Lord. But it will be measured. It will be measured. Who else can we receive mercy from? We shall receive mercy from other people. From other people. Why will other people show mercy to us? Why why should I be merciful? Because it is good to be merciful. It is good to be merciful. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to sit there and try to rationalize a way around it. But it's good to be merciful. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17. The merciful man does himself good, but the cruel man does himself harm. It's a good thing to do, to be merciful. Well, I don't want to be merciful. That's just the way I am. That's the way I grew up. You can throw all the excuses you want. But you see, God says it's good to be merciful. And God also says to us that because people do notice and are impacted by how we behave. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 to 38. Do not judge and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. 
Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running uh, over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. You see, people observe us. People begin to get a picture of who we are. Not just what we do. But they begin to see inside. And when that happens, when that happens, there's something that is engendered in them when they want to be merciful to you. They want to show you grace as you have been gracious to them. Now, I would be less than honest and probably not a very good pastor or friend to you if I stopped there. And there's going to be some of you who are going to go out there and you're going to say to yourself, now, wait a minute, pastor. I was very kind and merciful to somebody. And all I got was a shot in the mouth. All I got was a big, you know, accusation. All I got was I was treated very badly. What happens when our mercy is not returned? What happens when it's not returned? Well, let me share this with you. You will not be the first, nor will you be the last who has never had their mercy returned to them. Oh, what do you mean? No, you won't. And the biggest example I can give to you is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself. He fed the poor. He healed the sick. All of these things. He forgave people's sin. He did all the right things. But what did they do to him? They ended up crucifying him. Did they show much mercy to Christ? Okay. Did they show much mercy to Christ? Did they use sharper nails? Did they go out there and did they use a, uh, did they tie him, uh, you, you know, as they nailed him to the cross and all that kind of stuff? Did they shorten the time that he was on the cross so that he wouldn't be as pain, in much in pain for so long? No, you don't hear any of that. There wasn't much mercy. There wasn't any mercy. You see? You and I will not be the first, no, we will be the last who has never had their mercy returned. That's what we have to settle for. That's what we have to understand. We should be merciful because God is and God has been merciful to us. Because people and because people will show mercy to us when we show mercy to them. Now, there's one more question. Okay, the first question is what was biblical mercy? The second one was uh, why should we be merciful? The, second, the third one is, how can you and I be more merciful? How can we become more merciful people? Okay? And it starts, first of all, with embracing the other Beatitudes before this one. Okay? Sometimes people say, you know, ah, if you ask me right now, today, be merciful. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's not in me. Okay? But if you go back to the earlier Beatitudes, okay, when it says, you know, blessed are those who are um, poor in spirit. They put away their pride. They put away their pride. They say, I've got big problems in my life that only God can solve. And one of them is being merciful. And you go back to the other one. Those who mourn over their sin. I am broken hearted over the way that I treat people. 
It is not right before God and before people. And then you go back to being gentle and courageous and confident, under control. Yeah, I've got a, I'm a loose cannon. Sometimes I can, I can, you know, I can really let it, let people have it. Yeah, I might be right, but that doesn't excuse my behavior. So on and so forth. And then the last one, hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to do what God wants me to do. When you embrace those four beatitudes, then when the fifth one comes, hey, it makes sense. I got a shot at this. I got a shot at being truly a merciful person. When we see this happen, then it's by embracing the other Beatitudes. But also, it's exercising spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. For example, do a mercy check. Do a mercy check. Ask yourself if you are merciful. Are you a merciful person? Well, I'm pretty good. On a scale of 1 to 10, what are you? Are you, you know, Asians never give themselves a 10. So I'm a 9 plus, you know. And, 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 of course, they don't want to look too bad, so they're not going to say a one. So they'll say, uh, maybe a four and a half, you know, okay? But do a, a, a mercy check. Psalms chapter 26, verse 2. Examine me, O Lord, and try me and test my mind and my heart. How many of us are willing to actually, in the mirror of God's word and the standard of God's word, to say, Let's do a mercy check and see where we are. Well, that's what he's asking us to do. The second thing is nurture a positive attitude or adjustment. You do this by confession. Psalms 51 verses 3 to 4. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. But confession often needs to be accompanied by petition. David in Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Okay? Now, if you're an acronym person, and all Singaporeans are, the acronym is D-N-A. Is this part of your DNA? The A stands for act. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading to become involved. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. If it needs to, extend forgiveness for those around you who, who need it. Matthew chapter 18, verse 32. It says then, then, then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt, all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Okay. Well, let me give you a quick example. I have to close here. My wife and I had a, ch- uh, I had a chance to go to Beijing on a mission trip. And so we were in Beijing. And it's my first time. I, I really didn't know what I was getting into. I, we were staying in an upscale area of Beijing. It just happened that way. Came out of this hotel and what greeted me was this man who was on a, a movable platform, okay? Both of his legs had been removed, it, just the stumps of his leg. One of his arms, the hand, had been removed. And his other hand, he held out a cup, and he was begging 
for help. He was begging for help. And my first instinct was to reach in my pocket, and I was ready to give him something. And suddenly, I felt the hand of the guide on my, on my arm. And he says, Pastor, I know that you are from America. I know that you are a Christian. But please do not give money to these people. Why? Because they are parts of syndicates. They are organized beggars who are run by gangsters. And what they do is they, they, they purposely maim these people, set them out on the streets, and have them beg, and then they collect money from them. Okay? And so, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Okay? I was really bothered by this. So I went back to my room. And I was just troubled by it all night. The visions of this man. The visions of being a believer. I was in a quandary. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then, as if it was the Lord speaking, he said in Romans chapter chapter 8, and he says, follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. From that day on, as we journeyed through Beijing, whenever I saw these people, a quiet prayer in my heart was, Lord, do I help this person? I can't help everybody, but I can help someone. And that someone has to be the one that you designate. So I did help some people. Not knowing if they're syndicate or non-syndicated, I have no idea. But I was able to practice what I knew to be right. And so this is a way that you can possibly do it. Perhaps you're going to go after lunch, you're going to go to the Hawker Center. And there's going to be these people who are going to come up to you. And some of them, are, 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 they look pretty needy. And they're going to come to you. And they're going to try and sell you a packet of tissues. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You see? And so you may have to call out to the Lord. Lord, do I help this person or not? God's people are called to be merciful. It is an attitude of compassion followed by a compassionate acts intended to relieve the suffering or satisfy the need for forgiveness in others. May I just encourage you and leave you with this. Live a life of mercy that reflects who God is and what God does and receive mercy in turn. We won't have the closing hymn. We've run over time and out of respect for our Chinese congregation, we must end. So if you would, please just bow your heads and let's pray. Father in heaven, this has been a glorious day where people have made decisions to publicly declare their faith in you. And Father, to join this body and become an integral part of it. Father, bless them all and bless us as we leave this place. Father, may you speak to us and speak to us powerfully. May we be a merciful people as you have given to us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.